In your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number 3. When we turn to Luke chapter number 3, Jesus has not began his public ministry yet. He's in his very early 30s, and his first cousin, John the Baptist, is just a few months older than him. God's going to use John the Baptist as the forerunner to Jesus. He's going to kind of uh, clear the way. A forerunner is not just a car that Toyota makes. Uh, it's a good car, by the way. If you have one, you've got something really good. They're nice. But a forerunner is actually somebody that comes ahead of uh, and, and clears away. A forerunner was somebody that was uh, sent ahead of a king to straighten up the road before the king would make his journey from one place to another. And a forerunner would go ahead of him. He was with a road crew and they would fill in the valleys and they would knock down the mountains and the hills and they would make a straight path for the king to enter in to do his work wherever he was going. And John the Baptist is known as the forerunner to Jesus and he was going ahead and he was going to, he was prophesied that this would be the case and he was the forerunner and he was setting the stage for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of emphasis in our text today on that. Uh, there's another part of John the Baptist that I want you to think with me uh, about for a minute. And, you know, when we think about folks like John the Baptist and we think about folks like the Apostle Paul or maybe Peter and John and the disciples, uh, we think about folks who have become famous in our mind, Bible characters. They've become famous in our mind for their great works in the work of the Lord. And we think, you know, perhaps they were just born awesome uh, and uh you know, truthfully, we're all born awesome to a certain extent. God chose to give you life and has given you an opportunity. That's exciting. Uh, but something about a guy like John the Baptist, we're going to watch in this text today as God uses his word in John the Baptist's life to prompt him and to push him into the work that God wanted for his life. God is going to use his word in John's life to bring him to the place where he does what God has designed him to do. It's exciting to watch as God uses his word in John's life and John begins the ministry that God gave him to be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in Luke chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Acheria, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the Tetrarch of Abilene. I'll give anybody a dollar if they'll read that out loud up here, uh, that verse, verse number one. That's pretty tough. I'll just take that back. There's a couple of folks here I think might take me up on it. Uh, verse number two, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. And every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And I want you to look with me in verse number two. Verse number two. The Bible says, 
It mentions two people, Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest. And then it says this, look at it. The word of God came unto John. The word of God came unto John. That past, that phrase in God's word has jumped off the page in my heart over the last few days. And I love the thoughts of this. The word of God came to John. I try to put myself in these characters' shoes. And John is a man that has spent a long time in the wilderness. His dad is a priest. Uh, John, no doubt, has heard stories of, of the miraculous birth of his cousin, Jesus of Nazareth. He's heard stories of how God worked early in his life and his uh, parents were a lot older than most parents and God gave him for a purpose. And I'm sure his mom was one of these moms that said, I want you to know something, buddy. God has got a special place for you in his work. God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. You need to use your life for the glory of God. His mom was one of those moms that had great expectations for her son and rightfully so and yours probably does too. And John is in his early 30s, and he's uh, doing whatever John does. Now, John, we understand he was kind of a, a rough guy. He was, uh, he was not a pretty boy by any stretch of imagination. And, and God speaks to John. The Bible says the word of God came to John. I, I love that phrase, the word of God came to John. You know what God's word did for John? God's word gave John purpose. God's word gave John direction. God's word made clear the future of John's existence. God's word motivated and prodded John into the work that God had called him to do. God's word came to John. Now, I understand something about John. John was a prophet. A little bit later, Jesus actually uh, declares that John was a prophet. And it, Jesus declares that John was the best of prophets. And, and I don't think that we are holding the office of prophet, but I do know for a fact that in the transition moments of our lives, which have you noticed that all of life is a transition? Do you, how many of you old people out there would identify the fact that your whole life is a transition? Old, I mean like 40 and above, you know. Your whole life is a transition. I'm raising my hand. Uh, it's a transition. I think, I used to think if I could graduate from high school, I'll have, I'll, I'll be done with all these changes. And boy, was I wrong because I was thought, well, it's now it's when I graduate from college. Oh, no. I thought, well, when I get a job, uh-uh, it don't work like that. When we have kids, I'll be done. No, it's always a transition. It's a transition. Let me encourage you guys, everybody. Life is a constant transition, and finally you die. Be encouraged. Be encouraged, God. <laughs> In all sincerity, life is constantly changing. But God has designed the Christian life and he's given us his presence and he's given us his word and God's word coming to God's people. It guides us along the way. I'm reminded of Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. God's word came to John. God's word was, came to John at a moment when John needed direction. And boy, does God ever use John in a big way. And I'm convinced that any person that will surrender and submit their self to the word of God and find the will of God through the word of God, I'm confident that God will bless your life and God will use you in a big way. At any stage of life, we should be learning 
and yearning to have and know God's word for our life. For our life. How long has it been since you made it a goal? Lord, Lord, I need you to give me your word about what's next. Lord, I need you to give me your word about some direction. Lord, I don't need your word about what to do in this situation. Lord, I need your word about how to respond. I'll tell you, any person I've ever met that honestly sought to know God's will through God's word has always found it. And John, at a moment in his life where he needed direction, God gave him his word. The word of God came to John. That's the title of this morning's message. And I'll share some things from this passage that I hope will help you. The word of God came to John, number one, in tough times. The word of God came to John in tough times. Now, this is fascinating because John comes at a moment in history at about the exact same time that Jesus comes, and it's a tough time. It's a tough time politically. We'll look at verse number 1, all these names that are hard to pronounce. The Bible says, verse 1, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of whatever that name is, and of the region of whatever that name is, and of Lysanias, and the Tetrarch of Abilene. I'll try that one. So we have these guys, we have these leaders, and I, we don't know a ton about these guys, but one thing to note, when you study the book of Luke, Luke is very detailed. And so Luke gives us great detail, and by verse number 1, of chapter number three, we're able to date very accurately the life and ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ because God put in Luke's heart the interest in all the details. Then we start to look a little bit closer, and though we won't take time to study and look at all these people, there are folks that we see that we that raise our uh, that raise our attention. You have first of all. Uh, Tiberius Caesar. That gives us some insight that Rome was ruling in a big way. God's people were in under uh, control of Rome, and it really was a bad time to be one of God's people, the Jews. So you have that trouble. Then you have Pontius Pilate. You remember we hear about Pontius Pilate. We hear about the pilots, and boy, the pilots have a bad reputation for being bad news. There's a man named Herod mentioned here, and others. And we see at this moment politically, it was a very tough time. Let me tell you something about how God works. God works in the hearts of his people and God's word comes to God's people in tough times. This was a tough time politically. This was a season where there was great unrest and I'm a very optimistic person. I'm optimistic at this very moment. I'm excited about life and the future. But I don't live with my head in the sand and buried in the sand. And I know at this moment in the history of our country that we're in difficult, tough times. Have you ever noticed that? There's a time that there's a great unrest and unsettledness and fighting and feuding and just filth everywhere. And I think, my lands, what a mess we've got. And if you're not careful, you spend all your time upset about how bad it is instead of looking at the fact that God wants to work in tough times and do great things. Do you know how God works in tough times and does great things? Today he does it the same way he did it during John the Baptist time. God gives his word to people and God moves in the hearts of people and God gives a burden to folks to do the right thing and do the right thing for the glory of God and God gives his word. 
God gave his word to John the Baptist because he needed a forerunner, someone to clear the way and set, the, set things straight in order that Jesus could come on. And God wants to work in our hearts today with his word. And God wants to use us in tough times, not just to complain, but to work in our hearts to make a difference, to influence the places that we work to influence our schools, to influence our peers, to influence our families, to be a bright spot in our community. God gives his word in our hearts and gives his word to his people. Why? In tough times so we can make a difference. So we can make a difference. Do you know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? Do you know the difference? A thermometer, I said that weird, I know. A thermometer tells the temperature. A thermometer, it just says 73. A thermostat tells the temperature and does something about it. And there are lots of Christian thermometers out there. 73, 73, 73, 73. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too hot. i tell you what we really need. We need some Christian thermostats. Who, when they feel the temperature change, they listen for the word of God. And in troubling times, they say, you know what? God's put on my heart. I can do something that'll make a difference. I can do something that'll make a change. And may God help us to listen for the word of God. The word of God came to John in tough times politically. The word of God came to John in tough times spiritually. The Bible says in verse number two, it mentions two people. Annas and Caiaphas. The Bible says Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest. Now I'll tell you a little bit about Annas and Caiaphas. Annas and Caiaphas were folks who stood in the place of folks that represented the religion of the Jews. But Annas and Caiaphas were spiritual leaders with no spirit. They were spiritual leaders with no soundness of their doctrine, no faith in God. And Annas and Caiaphas were being used of the devil to lead God's people away from God's word. And this is the situation that we see John come into. And John was given the word of God in tough times. I wonder in your heart, will you let God motivate you to do something about the tough times that we live in? Will you let God use you for his glory? Whatever stage of life you find yourself in, if you'll listen for the word of God, like John, God will lead you. God will drive you. God will push you into the place that you can be most used for his glory. This is the wrong time to sit back and be complacent and lazy and sorry. This is the right time. To let God use you to make a difference. You see, the word of God came to John in tough times. And I'm encouraged as we make an investment in the lives of people, young people, teens, old people alike. I'm encouraged that God is going to use his word in our hearts and push and motivate and drive us and guide us to do his will. You see, the word of God came to John in tough times, number one. Number two, the word of God came to John in the wilderness. Came to John in the wilderness. Look what the Bible says in verse number two. The Bible says, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the 
wilderness. There's a double emphasis here on the wilderness. He came to us in the wilderness. The prophecy that we're going to read in just a minute from Isaiah, it says that there was a voice of one crying in the wilderness. But I want you to pay attention to this word wilderness for just a minute and remember something about John. The word of God came to John in the wilderness. What I'm getting ready to tell you is a little bit of speculation, but it also has lots of truth and meaning with other things that we do. The word of God came to John in the wilderness. Now, this is interesting to think about John for a minute. Well, we just figure, well, John the Baptist was just some kind of awesome guy his entire life. But the truth of the matter is all we know about John is John is in his early 30s, and John is trying to figure out what to do with his life. John is in the wilderness. I mean, John maybe in his heart he has a desire to do something great, do something big, do something with the life of you. But John's in his middle 30s and he's saying, in my lands, the clock is ticking. I think the average lifespan at this time of a man was mid-40s. And so you could just imagine John watching the days go by, and he's in his early 30s saying, my lands, you know, I may not have much time left, and here I am in my early 30s, what am I going to do with my life? He was in the wilderness. John was uncertain about his future. John was unsure about what to do next. And we have all kinds of reasons to believe that John, he'd not done anything spectacular that we know about with his life to this point. And so you have John in the wilderness and John in a moment where he's like, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with this. And the Bible says that the word of God came to John in the wilderness. Now, you may be here today, and as far as you're concerned, you're on the backside of the desert, forgotten. As far as you're concerned, you've wasted a lot of time. You look back at your life, you think, man, I've made some big mistakes. I'm in the wilderness. You look at your life, you think, I've burned off a lot of time. I don't have a lot left on the other side, on the, on the other end of my life. And you think, I'm in the wilderness. I, let me tell you something. God sends his word in the wilderness, and God does his greatest works at any time that he sends his word. I want to remind you of somebody in the Bible, Moses. A lot of us know Moses. Moses was who God chose to lead the nation of Israel. There was like a million people, a million uh, Israelis that were slaves in Egypt's land during Moses' time. And God called Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. But I want to remember something about Moses' life. Moses may have been uh, born uh, as a Egyptian, I mean, as an Israeli slave, and then he may have ended up in the house of the Pharaoh for a while, but it was just a season of 40 years, and from 40 years of age until 80 years of age, do you know where Moses was? He was on the backside of the desert. For 40 years, Moses tended sheep. For 40 years, Moses was a shepherd who had a heart to rescue his people. But for 40 years, he's in the wilderness. you think for 40 years, God forgot him? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you this, it was while Moses was in the wilderness that while Moses was in this season of uncertainty, this, this time of maybe God's forgotten me, in the wilderness, it was when God came with his word and spoke to Moses through the burning bush and told him to go let my, set my people free. You see, God works in the wilderness. And you may be hearing, you think, my lands, my opportunity's gone. Stop that pessimistic, negative approach to the will of God for your life and your future. And remember something. God sends his word to his people in the wilderness. You're not too far gone for God to use you in a big way. God sends his word in the wilderness 
The word of God came to John in tough times. The word of God came to John in the wilderness. The word of God, when it came to John, it required action. Now, it's one thing to say, Lord, show me your will. But let me tell you something. God is going to show you his will. And it may be just something small initially. When God shows you his will, when God sends his word, you need to respond. What happened when John the Baptist received the word of God? Verse number 3, the Bible says, When he received the word of God in the wilderness, he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. What did he do? When God spoke to John's heart, John got busy. Now, here John was actually called to preach. God, John was called to preach a message. John was called to be a preacher. Now, I don't think God's calling all of you to be preachers. There's only one pulpit, and I'm a pulpit hog. I like to preach a lot, but uh, I'm just kidding. God's calling some of you to preach, and that's exciting. But John was being called to preach, and when God spoke to him and said, John, I want you to preach, what did John the Baptist do? He said, oh, I guess i got to wait till Annas and Caiaphas die so I can go preach. No, that's not what he did at all. God put a message in John's heart, and John immediately started doing what God had given him to do. When God speaks to us, it requires action. God wants you to respond and obey him now. Look what John did. The Bible says he came into all the country about Jordan preaching. What did he do? He just went and started serving God wherever he was. He started preaching in all the area about Jordan. He started preaching. He just preached anybody would listen. And John's doing what God called him to do. He was preaching anywhere, anytime, anyhow. I remember when I first surrendered the call to preach, I wanted to preach. And the first person that gave me a chance to preach was... Uh, Paul Grinstead, and Paul let me preach to his cabin. We were at camp, kids' camp, and he was, he was the uh, leader in a cabin. He let me preach my first message in a cabin, and I'll never forget it. I didn't know how to preach, and the only thing I knew was I knew the words to a song I'd sung about David called Shepherd Boy, and so I just preached those kids the song I sang. And then the next time I got to preach, uh, I got a chance to preach at the nursing home out on the West End. Was, there was a nursing home out on the West End, and uh, and... Uh, Buddy was uh, running that Sunday school class. Buddy Wagner was running that Sunday school class. He said, he said, won't you come and, and preach at Sunday school? I'm going to be gone, not this week, but next week. You come this week and watch and, uh, and see how I do it. And the next week you can do it. I said, all right, I'll be there. And so I sat there and Buddy, he led the Sunday school class and he preached a message. I can't remember exactly what he preached, but I'm going to tell you what happened the next week. The next week I went back to that nursing home. I led the exact same songs. I prayed the same prayer. I even preached the exact same sermon he'd preached the week before because I'd never wrote one for myself I just got busy next thing I know I got to go preach at Valley Nursing Home it was fun I loved it those folks they'd let me preach if I'd sing to them and that was a good deal with me I loved it and I started preaching I'd preach anywhere I could any chance I got and I wanted in my heart to preach from the pulpit of the Chihuahua Baptist Church wouldn't that be awesome and it, I did I got a chance occasionally most of my preaching was done in other places, and I'm thankful for it. And John the Baptist, he's got the spirit. He's like, you know what? God's given me something to do. And in John's case, God called him to preach. He said, I'll preach anywhere. He preached all over the area of Jordan, anywhere he could say something about the glory of God. Repent, be baptized. He said it. He preached it. And you know, some folks are waiting for their golden moment and opportunity to serve God with their lives. That's foolish. 
You know where God wants you to start? God wants you to start serving and picking up a piece of paper that you walk over in the parking lot today. God wants you to start, wants to start, you to start serving him by being kind and giving a gospel tract to somebody at the grocery store. God wants you to start serving him by uh, telling people that, uh, about Jesus as you go. God wants you to start serving him by giving. God wants you to start serving him by doing something small and something that you can do right now, not some golden opportunity that, if you don't take the little opportunities along the way, will never happen. John the Baptist, when God's word came to his heart, God burdened his heart. I want to do something. This is troubling times. I want to be used for the glory of God. John the Baptist, you know what he did? He acted on the word of God in his life, and he just did whatever he could to be used of God to help others. It was sweet. He went into all the country preaching. The word preaching, I love the word preaching. In this text, he went about preaching. Let me tell you something about John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was called of God to do something, he didn't just say it. He didn't give everybody a thought when he came around. The Bible says he preached. And that word preach, it has a little hint of the idea of yelling. And he was intense. Have you ever been around somebody? Yes! <laughs> you know somebody with some intensity? I heard some of you yelling at refs at the basketball game of the night. That's preaching. <laughs> I said amen a couple times. That's pre. It's, it's, it's some intensity. Let me tell you something. You get intense about the things that you do in your life. There are certain things we get intense about. You should be intense about living your life for eternity and living your life for the glory of God. You should be intense. And when God speaks to your heart and says, look, this world's a mess. We're in tough times. I want to use you for your glory. God doesn't want you to kind of like uh, tiptoe in to the shallow end. You know what God wants you to do? When God speaks to your heart about being, about being used for his glory, about being faithful to church, about doing something that matters for you. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to cannonball in the deep end. Dive in. John the Baptist, when God gave his word, John the Baptist said, you know what? The best I know how, I'm going to. You know, sometimes we watch folks with zeal and we criticize them. But I'll tell you, if I was going to make a mistake, have you ever been around somebody that the Lord begins working their heart and they do some silly things because they're so zealous? And sometimes I'm like, oh, no. But I'll just tell you, if I'm going to make a mistake, and if you make a mistake, it's far better to make a mistake being too zealous for God than too little zealous for God. I believe that God will give you wisdom and help you to do it right. But you need to stop this mealy mouth, wimpy stuff. And John the Baptist, when God said, I want you to come out and do something for me, John the Baptist said, here I am. And he preached what God had put in his heart. You see, when the word of God came to John, it required action. And finally, when the word of God came to John, number four, it produced a change. Things changed. It changed in John's life, but it also changed in the lives of the hearers. The people that John was preaching to, God started changing working in their lives. Look what the Bible says in verse number three. It came to pass. Sorry, and he, I'm sorry. And he came into all the country about Jordan. Preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, this is an interesting thing. I reminded you earlier that John the Baptist was the forerunner 
of Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist is given a very unique message. And it's not the exact same message that we preach today. But his message was very important. It's important we know his message today. John went preaching as the forerunner, paving the way, clearing the way for King Jesus to come behind with the gospel message of a Savior. He preaches this message, and the message is titled, The baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, it's quite fascinating to think about. First word we see is baptism. Now, the word baptism and the idea of baptism was not something that was completely foreign to Jewish people. Now, John's preaching to Jewish people. You've got to remember that. These are folks who are trying trying to adhere to the law. They're doing sacrifices. They're doing holy days. They're trying to adhere to the law and the works of the law. They're keeping the Sabbath, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're trying to do this religious exercise. I mean, they're like all the time doing their religion, doing their sacrifices, trying to please God through the law. And the Jews... They were proud of the fact that they were Jews. And actually, Jews were really bad to look down their nose on Gentiles, anybody that wasn't a Jew. As a matter of fact, they looked at Gentiles and they thought, boy, they're filthy, dirty, unclean, pagan. And baptism was something that the Jews were familiar with. But it was not something that a Jew would ever do. You see, baptism was something that Gentiles would do. If a Gentile decided that they believed in Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and wanted to become part of the Jewish faith, a Gentile would repent of their sin. They'd acknowledge, look, I'm a sinner, I'm a pagan, I'm unclean. And then they would submit to baptism, and it was a picture of the washing away of their sins. Now, we understand that when we re- repentance is what washes away our sins. If we confess our sin, he's faithful just forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the, the water baptism for a Gentile was a picture, and they would just say, it was just like coming out publicly and telling everybody and every Jew and every person, look, I am unclean, and I need to be washed. And they would be baptized and after they'd repented. It was something that the Jews would be like, whew, it's good that he's going to be in our faith, but I sure wouldn't ever want to be identified with somebody that was unclean. And the Jews, they would have looked at baptism and repentance as something that evil, dirty, filthy pagans do. But John the Baptist comes preaching a message. His message is baptism for the remission of sins. Baptism and repentance for the remission of sins. And so here's John's message. John comes preaching this message. He says, let me tell you something, Jewish family. You are a dirty, rotten, hell-deserving sinner. You say that you keep the law, but in your heart you know that you are failing miserably. You say that you obey God and you keep the law, but you are failing miserably. And in your heart you know it. And John preached, you need to repent. You just need to admit and confess that you are not keeping the law. You need to admit that you are not being perfect. You need to admit that you're not sacrificing everything the way you're supposed to. That you're not thinking the way you're supposed to. You walk too far one day on a Sabbath. You 
set something on fire. On a, you need to repent and acknowledge that you have not been keeping the law. And you know what happened? Jewish people were hearing the message of John the Baptist. And Jewish people who were honest before God, they said, you know what? John's right. I mean, I've always tried to be as religious as I possibly could and tried to keep the law, but if I'm honest with myself, I'm not doing a good job. And if God expects me to keep the law perfect, and he does, then I'm a failure. And John was preaching this message. He said, let me tell you something. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You need to acknowledge that you've not done it right. You need to acknowledge, you need to repent and turn from your sinful behavior and you need to be willing to even publicly be baptized and let everybody know that you're a sinner. And I'm going to tell you something that happened. Now this was before Jesus went to the cross and died and was buried and rose again. But I can guarantee you this, every person... And when the Holy Spirit began to work in their heart through the preaching of John the Baptist said, I'm a sinner. And they repented the best way they knew how. And they trusted in God. And they identified their sin through baptism. I can guarantee you this. God smiled on their honesty. And God gave them forgiveness. God gave them eternal life. They trusted in the Lord. They trusted in the Lord. Let me tell you something. John the Baptist listened and heard the word of God. God moved in his heart. John the Baptist obeyed the Lord, did what God called him to do, and the end result was God made a mighty change. And we read in the account of John the Baptist that many people put their trust in the Lord we read in the account of John that many people responded to his obedient preaching. We read in the account of John the Baptist that when John the Baptist obeyed God's word, God used his life to make a difference in other people's life. And I don't know about you, but I want that for me. And I want that for you. And more importantly than what I want, I'm a nobody. God wants that for you. You see, when he obeyed the Lord and obeyed the word of God, it produced a change in the lives of so many people. As a matter of fact, God said this is exactly how it's going to be, and he prophesied it long before John the Baptist was ever born. Look what the Bible says as we bring this to a conclusion. The Bible says in verse number 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Isaiah said, one of these days, John the Baptist from the wilderness is going to cry out and do what God's called him to do. He's going to cry out, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. He's going to clear the way for King Jesus to come. He's the forerunner. Verse number 5. Here's what's going to happen. Every valley shall be, shall be filled. Do you know what was going on in the hearts of the people that were surrendering and repenting and being baptized according to the preaching of John the Baptist? There was a hole in their life. There was a valley. There was an insufficiency. And God was feeling, filling the void. 
The Bible says every mountain and hill shall be brought low. Do you know what's happening in the hearts of the people who were surrendering at the preaching of John the Baptist? Their pride that said that was unwilling to admit that their religious exercise wasn't sufficient, wasn't good enough, that they were failing, that they were sinners. Their mountainous pride and their hills of pride were brought low. God was healing these people and helping them. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight. If I said that person's a crook, you'd know what I was talking about, right? It probably came from this verse right here. A crook. Crooked. That old boy's crooked than a dog's hind leg. You ever heard that? I think that's in the Bible. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Crooked. The Bible says when preaching of the word of God went forth out of John's mouth, crooks got straight. Isn't that good? Crooks got, the crooked shall be made straight. And the Bible says, in the rough ways shall be made smooth. You know what happened? These folks, they just humbled themselves before the Lord, listened for the word of God. The word of God changed their lives. You know what happened? The rough ways shall be made smooth. You ever met somebody who's just rough? It's normally the byproduct of sin. The Bible says the rough are made smooth. Verse number six, the most important part. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. When John heard and obeyed the word of God, the word of God came to John. Everybody saw the salvation of God. You know what happens? If you will be willing to listen and obey the word of God, God, as a byproduct, will change the lives of other people. Now look, it's really easy to live for me. It's really easy for you to live for you. But I'm going to tell you, when you hear God's voice, when you hear God's word, God's going to motivate you to live for other people, to care more about others than you care for yourself, to have the same spirit of Jesus. And if God's people will decide to do God's work, God's way, and listen for God's word, it's going to make a difference. Things change. And when John obeyed the word that God gave him, it produced a major change. I don't know about you, but I know I've got one life, and I know it's not going to last very long. But while I live, I really want to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But I know the burden I have in my heart. And you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that others, you, we, will listen to the Word of God and let God drive us to the work that He's called us to. There's no exception. All of us have been given a task that's eternal for the glory of God. And like John, we need to say, look, I'm in this transition. Lord, I'm in the wilderness. I'll do your work. I'll do your work. Lord, speak to my heart. And when God begins to speak, you just simply start obeying. And it's amazing what God can do with a life that's yielded to Him. The Word of God came to John. And I'm thankful to know he'll come to me and you too. Let's pray.